From the Valley of the Sun in Phoenix, Arizona, welcome to episode 227 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast. My name is Deacon Steve, and I'm a permanent deacon in the Diocese of Phoenix. Well, we have entered ordinary time, which we must remember is never ordinary. As followers of Jesus Christ, there's nothing ordinary about the journey we're on. We are called to be on a journey to God, which by His grace will lead us to the eternal kingdom. We pray that in these uncertain times that God gives us the grace and will receive the grace to live in peace and in trust, knowing our Lord Jesus is with us always. In episode 227 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast, we first discuss our saint of the week, St. Charles of Sese, who yearned to be a missionary, but was called to serve the Lord in another way. We will hear a homily for the second Sunday of Ordinary Time, as we hear the encounter between Jesus and his first disciples. In the segment, Catholics in the News, we will learn about a widower whose dying wife asked him to return to his first love. In our segment, Truth in the Media, we will hear about a new cookbook from a surprising source. In this segment entitled, I Don't Get It, I will try to understand what happened to a Catholic man hospitalized for COVID-19. Finally, during our Truth Topic of the Week, we will hear the truth from Pope Francis about gratitude. All of this, plus music from Fidelis C. Dahi, who sings, Thank You, Lord. This and more on episode 227 of What is Truth? Saint of the Week Charles thought that God was calling him to be a missionary in India, but he never got there. God had something else in mind for the 17th century successor to Brother Juniper. Born in Sese, southeast of Rome, Charles was inspired by the wives of Salvatore Horda and Pascal Bayon to become a Franciscan, which he did in 1635. Charles said in his autobiography, Our Lord put in my heart a determination to become a lay brother with a great desire to be poor and to beg alms for his love. Charles served as a cook, a porter, a sacristan, a gardener, and even a beggar at various friaries in Italy. In some ways, he was an accident waiting to happen. He once started a huge fire in the kitchen when the oil he was trying to fry onions with burst into flames. One story shows how Charles thoroughly uh, adopted the spirit of St. Francis. The superior ordered him, then when he was a porter, to give food only to traveling friars who came to the door. Charles obeyed this direction. Simultaneously, the alms to the friars decreased. Charles convinced the superior that the two facts were related. When the friars resumed giving goods to all who asked, alms to the friars increased also. At the direction of his confessor, Charles wrote his autobiography entitled The Grandeurs of the Mercies of God. He also wrote several other spiritual books. He made good use of his various spiritual directors throughout the years. 
They helped him discern which of Charles's ideas or ambitions were from God. Charles himself was sought out for spiritual advice. The dying Pope Clement IX called Charles to his bedside for a blessing. Charles had a firm sense of God's providence in his life. He died at San Francisco Arepa in Rome and was buried there. Pope John XXIII canonized him in 1959. His feast day is January 18th. St. Charles of Cese, who served the Lord in love and in obedience, our Saint of the Week. Homily of the Week. Today's homily is based on the readings for the second Sunday of Ordinary Time, as the first apostles encountered Jesus. A man was walking down the street when a young man approached him and said, Excuse me, sir, can you spare 50 cents? The man replied, Why not ask for more? The young man answered, I thought asking for a dollar would be too much. The man responded, Then why don't I take you out to dinner? That would be great, said the young man. The young man's name was Sean, and he came out to California to Los Angeles on a Greyhound bus with a promise for a job. When that job opportunity fell through, he ended up living on Skid Row in Los Angeles for the past few months, sleeping in a cardboard box near an L.A. mission. The man took him to a nice pizza place, and Sean said it was the best meal he had had since he'd been in California. They sat together for a few hours sharing life stories. Sean said he came to California to see more of the world. He's close to his family and keeps in touch with them as best he can. His mom urges him to come home, but he says he's not ready yet. Sean said he's looking for something, but he's not sure what it is. In our first reading from 1 Samuel, we hear Samuel hearing a voice calling his name. And eventually, Eli, his mentor, says to Samuel, It's whoever speaks to you, say, Lord, for your servant, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And Samuel does this, and God speaks to him. In our second reading from 1 Corinthians, we hear, Whoever joins the Lord becomes one with him. And then in the Gospel, John the Baptist's disciples are sent to follow Jesus. And Jesus asked them, what are you looking for? I think that question is as relevant for us as it was for those two disciples. What are we looking for? Often we look for things like security. We want to know that what we have is ours. We don't want to have to worry about money or health or things. We just want things to be stable and okay. That's one of the challenges of the coronavirus is many things aren't stable and we don't feel secure, but we desperately seek security. We also seek control. We want control over our lives. We look for it. We assert it whenever we can. We want and look to have control. 
And when we don't have it, we feel out of control. We're also looking for our will to be done, for us to get, accomplish, consume, whatever, what we want to. We want our will to be done in this world so that we'll be quote-unquote happy. And often our lives are spent looking for these things. But if we are to be open to God, if we are to be one with him in the Spirit, we must look for something different. We must be open, which means following or being open to not the security of the world, but for where God leads us and calls us to go. It means our willingness to say, Lord, I'll follow you. Lead me. I don't know where I'm going, but I'll follow you. And we must have that attitude, or at least pray for that attitude, if God will be in our lives and we will be able to know what we're looking for. If we are to look for God, we must understand that we have to surrender control. God is in control. We're not. And if we are to look for God in our lives, we must surrender control of our lives to him. And we must ultimately do his will, not our will, if we are to look and find God. My brothers and sisters, God wants us. He calls us. He desires us to be one with him. If we are to allow him to find us, we must be open to that. God comes to us, but he knocks on the door, but we have to choose whether we're going to open it. So let us contemplate whether we are willing to be open to God. And if so, say to him what Samuel said to the Lord, Speak, for your servant is listening. Now let us listen to Fidelis C. Daff, who sings what we all need to say to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I love you. So I praise you. Thank you, Lord Jehovah. Thank you, little Mary. To give you all praise For the life you gave to me I give you all praise For the peace you gave to me I give you all praise I'm hearing your presence Giving you praise Thank you Thank you Lord Thank you Lord I lift my voice To give you all praise Lord, you're so worthy of Thank you, Lord, Jehovah. Thank you, Daddy, you are good. Lord, I love you. 
Filipino man named Roberto Ramos whispered his regrets to his wife on her deathbed 10 years ago. She told him he shouldn't have any, as long as he did one thing, go back to his first love after she passed away. She wasn't talking about another woman, but the Catholic priesthood. Of course I objected, Ramos said. What first love are you talking about? You're my only love. His wife insisted to go back to his first love, Ramos, who had been in seminary before he met his wife of nearly 40 years, raised three children, built a successful career in the corporate world, was shocked. But his wife was insistent and said again, go back to your first love. Ramos had first felt the call of the priesthood at a young age. 
and had entered and completed a minor seminary. However, he met his wife, left the seminary, and began to be a family man and a businessman. It was during that time that after his wife died that he really started to, he initially forgot about her request, buried it in the back of his mind, but it continued to gnaw at him. And two years later, at age 60, he began studying at a Jesuit seminary. Today, Ramos, who was ordained a priest two years ago at age 66, is serving the, his diocese in the Philippines as a special counselor to the bishop. He is putting his background as a CEO to good use. Instead of using it to garner money for his company, he's using it to help the diocese evangelize. He stated that his job is to improve the organization of the church as he works at the diocesan chancery by streamlining processes and procedures and developing pastoral plans that will respond to the needs of the people of God in his diocese. He, Father Ramos said that we are doing many things right as a church for we've been around for more than 2,000 years. But if we want to be more effective and responsive, We've got to make sure that what we're doing is serving God through his church and doing it in a proper way. Father Ramos said that he's arguing that there should be ways of doing things that should, as he put it, go straight to the marketplace, meaning that we must go and reach the people, not expect the people to come to us. He speaks mainly of this for the millennials, the young people, who are absent from the church in the Philippines. Father Ramos said, every time I say a mass, I'm not seeing millennials. They're more frequently seen in malls or bars. We have to find a way to reach them, adding that the oldies will die, but who's going to come to our church if we don't do anything about this? Lamberto Ramos, following his wife's call, and God's call, to be a priest at age 66. This week's Catholics in the News. Truth in the Media Christmas is such a special time of year. Imagine your family eating some amazing gourmet foods. Many gourmet treats and more are featured in a new cookbook that we can, God willing, use next year as our families gather together, hopefully post-COVID, the book is entitled The Vatican Christmas Cookbook, recently released by the Pontifical Swiss Guard and co-authored by David Geiser and Thomas Kelly. The Vatican Christian Christmas Cookbook gives us the opportunity to try the favorite dishes of Pope Francis and earlier popes in a sample of recipes from around the world. It's chock full of mouth-watering recipes that utilize everyday ingredients from one's cupboard in an unforgettable way. Co-author David Geiser is uniquely qualified to share the favorites of popes and prelates. A celebrity chef, founder of a cooking school, and host of a popular cooking show in his native Switzerland, Geiser has authored seven books, including the Vatican Cookbook, which was released in 2017 and now this beautifully illustrated holiday special. And as a former member of the Swiss Guard, Geiser served Pope Francis and talked with top Vatican officials about the pontiff's favorite dishes, 
He incorporated into the book some of the Pope's favorite dishes from his native Argentina. The book doesn't stop at explaining Argentinian favorites, though. Geiser describes the typical holiday feast in Egypt, Switzerland, Philippines, Poland, China, and around the world. Great cooks prepare special meals not just on Christmas, but throughout the season. So Geiser's included sections on Advent, Christmas Eve, and Christmas Day, as well as a chapter on side dishes. In the section on Christmas with the Popes, Geiser tells the reader about Pope St. Leo the Great, sometimes called the Pope who saved Christmas. He recounts the story of Pope Gregory's holiday fair in the year 592 and the Mass celebrated by Pope Benedict XV in 1919 in the time of the major pandemic, the Spanish flu. Part storybook, part cookbook, part coffee table picture book, the Vatican Christian cookbook is a treasure to give as a gift or simply to display in our homes. The Vatican Christian Cookbook, giving recipes that nurture the body and soul. This week's Truth in the Media. David Hernandez Garcia, an 82-year-old Catholic man, was in a resident of Lancaster, a suburb north of L.A. in California, was being treated for COVID-19 in a two-person room. According to reports, he was at Antelope Valley Hospital and was in this room with Jesse Martinez, a man he had never met, who was also there receiving treatment for COVID. Mr. Martinez became upset at Mr. Hernandez Garcia when he started to pray. He then struck him with an oxygen tank, killing him. So let me get this straight. An elderly Catholic man is in treatment for COVID-19. He's praying, possibly for him and his roommate and for his family, to get better. And in as response for that, he is bludgeoned to death with an oxygen tank. You've got to be kidding me. This could not happen. In a hospital in California? But it did! I don't get it! Truth Topic of the Week The gratitude that comes from encountering Christ's love and mercy is enough to bring joy and hope to a troubled world, Pope Francis said recently. If we are to be bearers of gratitude, the world itself will become better, even if only a little bit. But that is enough to transmit a bit of hope, the Holy Father said. The world is in need of hope, and with gratitude, with this attitude of thanksgiving, we can transmit a bit of hope. The Pope reflected on prayers of thanksgiving as exemplified in the gospel story of the ten lepers, healed by Jesus. After the lepers cry out for mercy, Jesus healed them all and sent them to the high priest to verify their healing. However, the Pope noted, only one returned to thank Jesus and to praise God for the grace received. This narrative divides the world in two, he said. There are those who do not give thanks and those who do, those who take everything as if it were owed to them, and those who welcome everything as a gift, as grace. Prayers of thanksgiving, the Holy Father continued, begin with the recognition that grace precedes us 
in the knowledge that we were loved before we learned how to love. If we view life like this, then thank you becomes the driving force of our day. Many times we forget, the Holy Father went on to say, to say thank you. Christians also experience gratitude when participating in the Eucharist and blessing God for the gift of life. To live is above all to have received. All of us are born because someone wanted us to have life. And this is only the first of a long series of debts that we incur by living. Debts of gratitude. Pope Francis urged Christians not only experience the joy of encountering Jesus, but also to cultivate joyfulness, which is a gift of Jesus. The devil, on the other hand, after deceiving us with some temptation, leaves us sad and alone. If we are in Christ, there is no sin and no threat that can ever prevent us from continuing joyfully on our way. The path to happiness, the Pope said, is one St. Paul described in his first letter to the Thessalonians. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and all circumstances give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit we have within us that brings us gratitude, the Pope added. Pope Francis, telling us the truth about the importance of gratitude. Our Truth Topic of the Week. Well, we've come to the end of this podcast. Made a few little kind of technical errors here, so um, sorry about that. This podcast was a challenge to uh, complete, I'll tell you. Took me over an hour and a half to record it. So sometimes it comes easily and sometimes we struggle. Anyway, if you have any feedback about the podcast you wish to share or just want to say hi, please email me at deaconstevew, all lowercase, at gmail, gmail.com. Let us pray. Lord, help us to grow in holiness. Help us to grow in love of you and of love of your mother. Help us to discern the truth, the truth you call us all to live, and to live in this truth so that we can be what you created us to be, truly free. And let us ask our Lady's help in this journey. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Until next time, God willing, next week, this is Deacon Steve. I invite you to join me as we discover together what is truth.